All right, Will Manso, Clay Ferrer, your Miami sports pod on this Dolphins bye week. And uh, Clay certainly wasn't a bye week for the Miami Hurricanes and their fans. We finally got all our wishes of, of all the big changes. And, and you and I spent, what, uh, seemed like two months talking about the changes that could come. Could you have envisioned, though, as we sit back and we look at this crazy week that it was? I mean, you had a coach fired and hired in the same day and an AD hired a couple of days later. Could you have envisioned a better showing for the Miami Hurricanes as what they were able to pull off this week? No, this is the dream scenario. And it's I don't know if it's possible. It's I'll just say it's rare. It's extremely rare to get a coach that will raise both your floor and your ceiling as much as this hire does. And, and well, the thing that I think, excuse me, you want to make the distinction on with this, it, we're not saying that Mario Cristobal is going to come in and be the singular reason why. No, I'm going to say it. he is. My, it's all, well, it's... He is for this reason. It's not just him. It's Mario and a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, and it's because like, I don't think the people cutting the checks for this would have cut the same sorts of checks or Lane Kiffin, or any other coach that you could have gone out there and gotten. Um, because the people writing the checks have a relationship with Mario. Let's be completely honest about what's going on here. And by the way, that's just fine. That's what happens. At a, I mean, you can name the boosters at some of the, the bigger successful programs across. I mean, T. Boone Pickens basically single-handedly built Oklahoma State. I mean, yeah, you can fill Knight at Oregon. Phil Knight at Oregon. That that's if if you want to be able to compete, you have to get that money one way or another. And so, well, to me, it's and, and I've said this for a long time. I've said, look, it's never going to get back to being what it was for the Miami Hurricanes. The game has changed too much, and they're never going to bring back the '90s or 2000s. I'm changing that. I'm changing my mind now because I never envisioned that UM would get the sort of financial boosting that they're getting yeah, right now. Spend the money. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm not saying that they're going to go back to that. But I think this hire and the money that is coming along with it, the financial commitment to facilities, to the assistant mm -hmm. coaching staff, you at least are raising the potential for your ceiling to get back to that point. And now it's up to Mario and the assistant coaches and the players to execute it. Yeah, and I think, you know, you made a lot of good points what I think was the storyline of the week is that's the money, right? Because everybody made a big deal as they should out of the 10 years, 80 million plus the buyouts, everything it took to get Mario here. But if you, you know, it's the old saying, if you buy a sports car, but use, you know, 87 fuel and, and, and get the cheapest oil changes and don't maintain it, then what's the point? It's the same with this. If you're going to spend all this money on Mario to redo your program and to give him a chance to really compete against his elite schools, you got to make the commitment to more money. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I look at what happened this week, right? The day of the news conference introduced in play. You watch what was said there. Mario's in control. There's no doubt that he he only came here. Obviously, the money is important. But he only came here because they committed to not only give him that money, but to give more. And what I found interesting about the day that Mario was introduced was not just, you know, hey, the hoopla of it, that it's great. It was a lot of fun. It's great to see, you know, old friend back in South Florida. But what I found interesting was how many times during the news conference, how many times in meeting with the media, did Myro Cristobal say, hey, it is the work begins now. Now resources, you know, everybody behind us. You know, that's the most important thing to me is the resources that are now committed to what has been done moving forward. And that's what I took away. Mario made it a point that day that he's in control, made it a point that day that he's been told more is coming, that money will be spent. And if you're a Hurricane fan, right, 
that was the most important takeaway of the day. Is yeah, that more money is coming. Well, and and you you made a very good point off air. So hopefully, I'm not uh, giving away uh, giving away something that wasn't supposed to come on air. But you 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 said it was very interesting how Mario carefully picked his words when describing how great it was to be back at UN. He talked about how beautiful the campus was, how great the people are. But you notice it didn't say anything about the facility. It's all heals. All of this has to get better. But the difference between where we were a week ago versus where we are right now as we record this podcast is it's possible to get things to where they need to be in order to, to compete at the highest level. And I mean the highest level. And, you know, I think, and we talked about this on a couple of pods before, Will, you, know, you were talking to Jason Taylor, who made the great comment about, hey, when was the last time UM pulled a, a major player out of St. Thomas? Well, hey, part of the problem with that is uh, a kid from St. Thomas can go in and look at UM's facilities and be like, oh, I don't know if this is that much better than what I've got By the way, we're showing the moment he got, I want to see this. <laughs> Uh, we showed you that because that was the, the only that's moment, great. the only I guess snafu of the day was the day that he got that he, or the moment he got that uh, that introduction with the uh, small jersey. Yeah, but it. Will, uh, look, I, I I think and I I hate to keep harping on money because what we do is about people and sports is about people and the athletes and all that, mm -hmm. but you don't get the people without the money. And this is why people were complaining about the ten-year, eighty million dollar contract. It, this is this is how I look at it. And, and this is these are just numbers I'm making up, okay? okay? What's the difference between getting Mario Cristobal and a ton of money con committed to facilities for $80 million if somebody else is footing 40 to 50 to, I don't know, maybe all $80 million of that versus going out and hiring a different coach for $40 million that you're having to pay all of it and you're not going to get the facilities upgrade. The fact that you're getting Mario is what's leading to these other financial commitments. You don't get them to this level. If it's not Mario, you're going to get some because I do think that there some of these things were already in motion, but you don't get it to the same level that you're getting with Mario. And you know, I, I got into this before we, we showed that, you know, when, when some of the kids at local high schools can come in and, and I'm, I'm talking more about the, the, the large private schools, your St. Mm -hmm. Thomas's, your um, American Heritage can, can walk in to UM's facilities and just look around and be like, OK, and then they go to their high school. and They're like, yeah, this isn't that much. But then they go up to Alabama, then they go up to Clemson, then they yeah. go up to, to Georgia, and they see it's these ridiculous. It's, it's hard to compete against that. Well, now, what are those schools going to have that you don't when it comes to the stuff? Because yeah. the stuff matters. It matters to all of us. And it certainly matters to high school recruits because we see it over and over again. Yeah, and I think you know that stuff matters, and that stuff takes time, though. So when sure. we look at the most important step from our Cristobal right now, the most important step he started right after the news conference, and that's get into the community, get into South Florida, and keep the kids here. Now that is as old as time when it comes to UM football, right? That's from the Schnellenberger days of how he laid out the map of you know this is the 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 area of Miami and Broward where you get everyone, and that worked for the Canes for a decade plus. As it went away, though, we saw the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the SEC schools. And even to a, to a degree, you look at schools out in the Pac-12 getting kids from South Florida. None of that makes sense to me when you have the base here to keep them. But a lot of what we've already discussed, the resources, the commitment, 
the facilities, I quite frankly, just don't match up. They just don't to what those kids can see. So Mario's biggest step is now, and nobody could do it better, by the way, in my opinion, as far as selling, selling point, is you got to sell these kids on the stuff we just talked about. You got to sell these kids on what Miami can be. And in a way that you do it, we're like, not only can we be this, but you're going to be one of the first ones in this revival. Forget about old Miami football. You can never be Michael Irvin. This isn't about being Michael Irvin or Michael Barrow or the great Canes players and, and, and Clinton Portis. This is about being you. And now 15, 20 years from now, people saying, hey, this guy that I just recruited from St. Thomas, from Heritage, from Northwestern, wherever it may be in South Florida, this guy is a legend and part of that revival of UM. And again, it's for him to do it. And I think if there's anyone that could do it with that Kane connection, what do we talk about for weeks, Clay? That everybody wanted the the Kane. You wanted that connection to the Miami Hurricanes. That's what anybody talked about. Well, guess what? You got the ultimate connection. You got a guy who won mm-hmm. two national championships in that program, a guy that bleeds orange and green. There's no better connection and no better person to get it done. But to me, that's the most important step. And it started right after he took this job. You know, and, and here's another one that I find really interesting. And we had heard there was a report that the, the hiring of Dan Radakovich had, you know, w- was not contingent upon getting Mario Cristobal. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But you can't tell me that the idea of getting Mario Cristobal and the type of financial commitment that they're getting, that doesn't make a, an athletic director's eyes light up. For you to go and steal Clemson's athletic director, that that clearly shows that there was some knowledge there of the level of commitment that they're that they're getting. So mm-hmm. moving on from that, the the fact that you, you mentioned what's what's the first step, right? Well, it's going out and it's rebuilding these relationships that, you know, and, and I don't think, Man, it's not that Manny Diaz wasn't out recruiting. It's not that their, uh, their assistant coaches weren't hitting South Florida hard when it came to recruiting at all. But now you're going out and, and you're selling a vision with that financial backing. And you have somebody mm-hmm. in Mario Cristobal who has these relationships already baked in from years and years ago with local coaches and and who knows even parents of players i mean you know why do they, why do we pull out when we showed that uh, that that handsome handsome guy interviewing mario enough enough there. of seeing me interview mario um but no i i think you, you mentioned what's the first step well it's it's twofold number one you do what he's already doing which is he went straight from the from the press conference to to miami central same suit like pat riley one suit one tie get to yeah. work yeah, I, I mean that's so that's that's job number one is is going out there and, and getting your face and and good for him by the way of leveraging he knew that he was the big story all throughout South Florida this week he knew it and and he was smart to to go out and leverage that and make sure that he got his face it you know striking when the iron's hot Absolutely. but number two is man take advantage of what you got coming back and and the you know we'll we'll have plenty of time to break down the twenty twenty two season for the Hurricanes but I wish we could do it now yeah yeah I mean you you've got one of the top three quarterbacks in all of college football coming back you know, behind Bryce Young. I mean, maybe second behind Bryce Young. By the way, Mario said he was, uh, there's none better. Now that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean he, Van Dyke is better than Bryce Young, but he's basically saying that his quarterback is the best in the country. Sure. Bryce Young just won the Heisman, but my quarterback is as good as that. So you are, and I understand you have to go and play at Texas A&M. You got to play Clemson. So it's not like you're going to have an easy, easy schedule. At Virginia Tech. Of, Don't forget at Virginia Tech. Outside of the division. But the division is going to be trash again. You know, and, and look, as much as I, I love my Hokies, 
Justin Fuente left the cover pretty bare there. And and Brent Pry is going to do whatever he can to rebuild. But that's just one. UVA lost their head coach. They're probably going to lose their quarterback. When you talk about Clemson. Clemson lost both coordinators. You know, so, I mean, you're you, – And their AD to Miami. That's and their AD to Miami. So, yeah. you know, it's twofold what you have to do if you're Mario. And, and really, it's setting up beautifully where you go in to these recruits' homes and you go into these schools and you're selling a vision. And oh, by the way, then you go out there on Saturdays and you beat the living snot out of Virginia and Duke Man. and Georgia Tech, and you own the coastal division in your first year. So it's you can see a world where all of this comes together beautifully. And I, I don't. So to go back to the, the question that you asked, could you have envisioned this playing out any better? No. I mean, this is the dream scenario. And if you had told me this is how it was going to play out two months ago, I would have I would have told you to get lost because it just yeah. it, it wouldn't have seemed realistic. And and what I love about Mario is that he is not going to sell you on something he doesn't believe in. Right? He's going to one hundred percent buy everything he's saying. Case in point, what he had to say to ESPN on Saturday. He goes on game day, right? He and what Mario does is go out there and sells the program as best he can. I love what he said. And I, I want to give you a glimpse. For those that didn't hear it, a glimpse of what he said. And it all starts with how you play the game, right? It has to look a certain way. It has to sound a certain way. It has to feel a certain way. And there's no substitute for that. You know, swag is a byproduct of flat-out kicking butt and everything you do, okay? And it starts in the trenches. It filters out to the guys in the perimeter. Uh, it's a mentality. It's a way of life. It's a DNA. It's not a T-shirt you put on and off. And it's not a proclamation. It's not a tweet. It's not uh, a slogan. It's getting to work and taking care of business so it looks a certain way on the field on Saturdays. I mean, that'll get you running through a wall, won't it? Yep. yep. And, and that's what it's about. That's And that, I think, is what it's about for him. And, again, he, he said that on college game day, which, by the way, goes to your point of, like, going out on the recruiting trail. What better recruiting trail is it on college football than you're one of the, the lead voices to be seen to sell your program on college football game day on ESPN, the most popular college show in the world, you know, so he gets it. He understands it. And Clay, I think as, as, as you move forward now and look, you got the, the next signing period coming up this week. Uh, Mario has been in there trying to seal deals. And I know you keep up with this more than, than I do, but what a week ago before he was hired, what was the word on the street that the Canes had? What, what, what like the 50th, 55th ranked class or something in the nation? I well, would, bet that that number has moved up considerably well i'm gonna look it up right now just because and here here's the the thing that i would kind of throw out there as a as a, a caveat uh is a lot of times if you go in you may seal the deal but they're not going to make it known or commit because they want to have their their day on signing day That's so yeah true. right now they're listed as as 10th best in the acc which is about where they were i think they have the same eight commitments or, or relatively close to that um, you know, but but I think the thing that that he's going to do is going in and building those relationships now. It may be hard to make up ground for the class of 2022, which starts signing next week and then um, the final signing day in February. But it, it lays the foundation for moving forward and 2023 and 2024. And and that's where like you're, you're going to have the potential for two rises for this program. You're going to have. This current one, which is Tyler Van Dyke, the supporting cast, and and uh, a week schedule outside of your trip to Texas A and M, um, and and then the second one, which is when you finally start to get these, uh, put these resources 
into the facilities. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that takes time. That does take time. That Absolutely. Takes time. And, and people need to be patient. So like it's it's great because you might have this little like dip, right? Where you're you, you win in 2022 because you've got the best quarterback. Then maybe you go down a little bit because you're you're trying to restock the cupboard of, of talent for the you know wherever Van Dyke leaves. But then you're going to start to see the sustain that foundation built. And I think that's the vision. And, and fans are going to have to understand it's not going to be linear because you're going to benefit from having Tyler Van Dyke and, and a good supporting cast in a weak coastal division next year. Um, mm-hmm. But then moving forward, understand there might be some growing pains, but the foundation is going to be well worth it. So and here's the other thing, Will, and, and this is something, again, you're know, following Virginia Tech really closely right now. It, recruiting has changed so much. Not just because of the early signing day, but something Manny Diaz understood full well is you got to hit the portal and you got to hit the portal hard. And if you're UM and you're expecting to compete big this year, don't just look at who they get or don't get coming up this Wednesday on early signing day. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, yep. Look at who they attack in the portal and look at who they're ultimately able to bring in. It's a way to fill gaps. There's no it, doubt about it, it. It's more likely to help you immediately. So yep. it's. Uh, it's going to be kind of kind of patchwork and and you're going to have to to fill to plug the dam from different spots but i think that what they're building right here and also the type of team that they're going to have coming back next year it's going to be a really easy sell for mario not just to future recruits but also to the guys in the portal that want to come in and make their name immediately i would have be that miami guy though and it's probably just because i'm a little bit of a homer and being an alum you know i got that that Miami, like Mario says, the swag, you got to go out there on the field, but fans are allowed to have the swag and, and the trash talk. I don't think there will be a dip. I think Mario's going to come in next year with Van Dyke. This team's going to be win the Coastal, be the best team, one of the best teams in the in the country when it comes at the end of the season as far as 10 wins, top 15, major bowl. I think that's next year. And then I think the recruits he gets, whatever quarterbacks he gets, whether Jake Garcia goes to the portal, sticks around for, for the show, or some gets somebody else, the kids that are recruited now, I think Mario fills the gap with transfer porter guys. And this program finally, for the first time in whatever, what is it, 15, 20 years, whatever they've been in the ACC, finally starts to do what they joined the ACC to do, and that's dominate the damn conference. Dominate the conference and be the league leader in that conference, the, the standard in the conference. Not the team that keeps losing to North Carolina and Pitt and Wake Forest and, and Georgia Tech and these schools they've lost to over the years. No, no, no. That ends now with Mario. Now the only games you lose are a road game now and there in conference. Sure, it happens to everybody. But the only games you lose is a game like at Texas A&M or a game against the Alabama you had this year to open the season. You go out and you, as Joaquin said, dominate because that's what Miami football should be. Am I setting the standard too high or am I? No, 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 not at all. Because that's what I believe. Yeah, but look, that's, and that's where I'm at. And this is, and and again, if you would, if you had said that two months ago, I would have called some people and and see if they need to do a welfare check on you because (laughs) there may be some problems. Um, But no, I, I just think it's changed things this, this much. It's changed things that drastically. And, you know, again, as a, as a Virginia tech fan, I can see a world where this kind of goes back to the old big East days where, you know, Virginia Tech, because the two programs in the division who are, are most committed to football are Miami and Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. And it's both schools that, that they know where their bread is buttered. And so I, I would love to see it go back to like it was in the old Big East days where like Miami is beating the snot out of everybody. And then like Tech and Miami are kind of watching each other 
all I'll year. And, and again, I'm not I'm I'm not saying tech is on Miami's level, but it was but they're the ones fun. committed to get back there. They're exactly. Get back exactly. There. And it was always fun because you knew that Miami was doing it with um, guys that were local from down here. And then you go and you, you maybe you pull your lineman and your quarterback from from somewhere else. But it was kind of like you get the 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 country guys from mm-hmm. from Virginia um, and the surrounding areas and the best recruits from the state of Virginia, North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. And and then you go and you take on South Florida and it's like, let's let's strap them up and go. And that's yeah. that's when I went to tech was uh, I was there when Michael Vick was there and it was always fun because you knew Miami was the best. Um, and you had this chance to like, look forward. That's where I can see this getting again. And, I hope and, so. And, and to I me, that's, t- that's what college football is all about. And let me tell you today, as we sit here, I'm, I'm optimistic about where tech is going. I'm a lot more confident that Miami is going to get back to that spot than I am that tech is just because I, I have that much faith in not just Mario, but also what a difference money can make. And yeah. and you're already seeing that. Last note for me is that being at the news conference last week, seeing, I mentioned Joaquin Gonzalez, seeing Brian McKinney, seeing Brett Romberg, those offensive linemen, and seeing that Mario is a lineman, you know where Mario's going to get. He understands in the trenches, he's going to go get those kids. It doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to go up in the Midwest. He's going to make sure you get the big kids here from South Florida. They're going to build that line because you got to keep Tyler Van Dyke and future quarterbacks upright to let you see. We saw this year as the O-line improved a bit as the season went on. And, you know, Rhett Lashley's offense was working quickly and they were getting the ball out to their speed guys. We saw what Tyler Van Dyke can do. We saw what this offense can be, and it can only be even better as they bring in more recruits, bring in more size on the line. And again, it's a home run. Dan Radakovich as well being hired as the AD. We didn't mention him. We, we referenced him earlier, but uh, – Kudos to the Canes for going out and spending the money on that because they got a proven AD from a school that's won plenty of us titles in a bunch of sports in the last decade plus under Vatikovic. As we know, Miami's got a lot of things they got to work on, not just football. So all in all, a great week for the Miami Hurricanes. And as we like to say at UM, uh, it's great to be a Miami Hurricane. So I know fans in South Florida feel that way. It's also great to be a, a fan of the Miami Dolphins. You know, by week here, we sit here, it's nice to not have to break down everything and look at a team of like, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, when it's all been good when it comes down to the last five weeks of results, and that's five straight wins. They're in the bye week at six and seven, right in the hunt of the playoff race. It's legitimate. I don't care what anybody wants to leave them for graphic or not. The Miami Dolphins are in position, Clay, that with the way Tua's playing and the way the defense is playing, you beat the Jets. You get a tough game in New Orleans. It's never easy to play in the Superdome, and certainly not on a Monday night, but you get a Saints team that obviously isn't the standard we've used to see from the Saints. And the Miami Dolphins could be in position where going down the stretch of the season, they're eight and seven. There's a legitimate chance they could be eight and seven going into that final stretch of a couple games with a chance to nab a playoff spot. And you said earlier when we were talking about the Canes, hey, who would have thought a month ago or whatever, you know, we would be yeah. saying this about Mario Cristobal and Dan Redakovich. Well, who would have thought a month ago we'd be saying that about the Miami Dolphins? We certainly did on this pod. We were talking about the ridiculousness of the fact that the Eagles were going to have maybe a top five pick courtesy thrown on a silver platter courtesy of Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, the narrative has changed quite a bit in the last month. Yeah, it has. And and Tua deserves a world of credit. And, Absolutely. And man, props to that guy for, for fighting through not just the injury stuff, but I, I still firmly believe that the Deshaun Watson stuff hung a cloud over this season up until the trade deadline. And I'm not saying that that's the reason why, that the fact the deadline passed mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they've gone on this winning streak. Like I'm not saying it's the reason why. What I am saying is that, if you're looking at another quarterback, you're not committed to yours. 
And I think that 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 lack of confidence, that lack of commitment can permeate a building. And I think players get sick and tired of hearing about it. And so, you know, I do you lose to Jacksonville if, if you don't have these silly rumors swirling? I don't know, but it's probably unlikely, especially considering uh, even even Urban Meyer reportedly called all his own assistant coaches losers. So, like, you look back through the season, and which it's is like, incredible, by the way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a different. But the, <laughs> which is funny because that's what Will Will calls me, and, and yeah, I, that's what, that's that's what we, how we pep talk each other. Week. You're a loser. <laughs> You're a loser. Be, be better. Show me your resume. Be better. So I no, I I feel like what this team has done, it, you got to give Tua a ton of credit. What I find interesting too is you're right. The Jets game, you should win that one. The Saints game, Saints getting guys back is a little tougher. This. Yeah, it's a little yeah tougher. so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. But that could be a real swing game. And, and we're fortunate that we're going to have that on our air. Because let's say you win that and you're 8-7. and seven. You play a Tennessee Titans team that has been wildly inconsistent ever since Derrick Henry got hurt, which is understandable. Um, so you got to play a Tennessee squad that, that has been inconsistent. And then you close out the year against the Patriots team you already beat. And who knows where they're going to be at in playoff seating at that point. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of amazing to see where we are now versus where we were a month ago. And and it is legitimate. You are in the hunt because you do have that extra playoff spot yeah. in the in the NFL now. So it's it's been fun to watch it. And and again, I, I don't think we can we can say enough about what two has done because he's clearly still working with limitations, both his own physical limitations because of injuries. We know that he's not not ever going to have Josh Allen's arm, but also his weapons outside of Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki, well, he doesn't have the type of weapons that you would typically want. And the offensive line is still an issue, even though they've gotten a little bit better. So a lot of credit goes to Tua for taking what they're giving him. And, you know, not to go too many different directions, but hey, the, the draft picks on defense, and what Javon Holland and Jalen Phillips in particular lately have done, uh, you know, you just, you got to tip your cap to all the work that they've been able to do. They've pulled it off. They have found a way to win. And I, I can't discredit anything that they've done. I can't. And people look for excuses, which leads us to the next topic. This is probably the most pressing question of the week when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. Is Chris Sims a knucklehead? Is that, <laughs> is that, is. Okay. Let me, let me get some context here. And, and again, as a Saints fan, I can, I can kind of bring, he is he he's loves writing, Taysom Hill more than, right. than and Taysom the Hill's family. He's been saying for two years that Taysom Hill should be starting over Drew Brees. And so that So the answer is yes, then the answer to my question is yes. yes then? But he's doing he's doing the skip Bayless thing where he yeah. digs in on something that I don't even know that he himself believes, but he's getting a lot of attention for it. He's getting a lot of retweets, he's getting a lot of clicks. And so clearly he's getting what he wants out of there. So stop giving him oxygen. Stop doing yeah. it. Like I and and again, let me say this from a Saints fan's perspective. Sean Payton doesn't believe that Taysom Hill is better than Tua Tungabailoa. Sean Payton doesn't believe that t- Sean Payton didn't believe that Taysom Hill was better than Trevor Simeon. The pro- their problem right now is that everybody else on offense is hurt. Taysom Hill has uh, the same injury that Goran Dragic had mm-hmm. a few uh, in the in the bubble, where he's got the partially torn plantar fascia, so he can't play the tight end wide receiver role that they need him to play. He's not explosive enough. So the only way to play him is to put him at quarterback and hope that other teams have to play a different sort of defense because he's in the game. That's my Saints rant. It's all to say Chris Sims is absolutely full of it, and he's making yeah. this stuff up because I can't possibly believe that he himself believes the things that he's saying because even the Saints don't believe it. Yeah, and I, I look, I, I joke. I don't know Chris Sims personally. 
I don't know if he's a knucklehead. He he definitely has got some Skip Bayless in him, and that's the world we live in. Look, we're in the media. We understand what sells, what's sexy. Me sitting here for months now, beating on the table saying, give Tua a chance. Tua, we haven't seen him yet. Give him a chance. And now getting that chance and being good, right, and being what we expected Tua to be isn't sexy. You know what I mean? It's no. much easier to diminish what he says. That's not going to get you clicks. It's not going to get you mentions on social media and videos that go viral. But sometimes the simplicity of the truth is what it is, meaning Tua Tungvaloa is becoming and very rapidly in the last month what we expected Tua Tungvaloa to be. And you and I talked about it a couple weeks a couple weeks ago on the podcast, and we saw it again in the Giants game. Uh, we will likely see it in most of these games. Now, the funny thing is, you know what gives oxygen to people like Chris Sims and others that you know, call them haters, call them you know social media clout chasers that they just want attention, whatever it may be. The only thing that gives them ox oxygen is this. There will come a game. I I'm okay saying that, and it's not a knock on Tua, Clay. There will come a day where Tua is going to have a bad day because it happens to everyone that hasn't happened in over a month now, but the next bad day, if he goes out and has a stinker, just has an off game against the jets or that Monday night game with everything on the line and the pressure of, you know, getting back to 500, if they beat the jets and having a chance to make the playoffs and he goes out and he's, you know, 20 of 42 for 212 yards and two picks, including a key pick that, you know, ruins their playoff chances. Then the narrative is going to go right back to Tua Tungabaloa. Is it what you expect them to be? And this and that and that and this. But none of that matters. The, the fact is this there have been few quarterbacks in the NFL more productive statistically. And certainly when you have a five game winning streak, when you look at, okay, a QB wins isn't a QB stat, right? But the point of a QB is to lead your team to wins and help them. And he hasn't done it alone. Defense has been great. Other guys, Jalen Waddle, the help, the, the development of other players, fine. But Tua Tagovailoa has been phenomenal. And Tua, no matter what Chris Sims says, no matter what anyone says, is finally showing what he can do, Clay. And I think that is the biggest takeaway of the season. Even if when that game comes in, you know it's coming. Forget the narrative. Tua Tagovailoa has shown us what he can do when healthy. And if he got weapons, we talked about Mario earlier building and giving Van Dyke weapons. If he gets weapons, gets a more consistent offensive line. And to your point, as you have said, the one criticism you've had of Tua, and you've been very consistent about it, is he has to prove he can stay healthy. Yep. So far, he has now, since that finger injury, been very, very good. He's healthy. He fought through it. Can he maintain that the rest of the season and into next season is the next big question of Tua. And the only thing we could do is just wait and see. Yeah, and the offseason question with him is twofold. It's what you just mentioned, and it's also, is he the type of guy that is a, a guy who can lead you to a Super Bowl, not just a game manager, but is he a guy that can do that when you surround him properly? In other words, when you have an offensive line who can stay upright long enough for the late developing routes? Because right now, they don't. And, and it's yeah. clear when you watch the plays that they're calling, they don't have enough confidence in the line to, to hold up for long enough to get the stuff to develop downfield. And, and Tua has worked around that. And, and it does play to Tua's strengths. And again, as a Saints guy, we saw this a lot the last couple of years with Drew Brees. Not, right. not because the Saints offensive line was bad, but because Brees couldn't get the ball downfield. So if you have a guy who can work within the confines of that, you can absolutely make it work to a certain extent. But you also ultimately have a ceiling if you can't get the explosives down the field. And that's, that's not, but I, just... do you, but I think he can though. I think he can, no. maybe not consistently, but I think he can. No, I think he can. Drew Brees could not at that point in his career. Tua Tungabailoa can. 
but the offensive line isn't good enough right now to give him Not the yet. opportunity. No, it's um, true. So what I think they, they got to figure out in the offseason is, and, I, and honestly, I feel like they tried to do it this past offseason. If they had had on one side Jalen Waddle, on the other side Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki working the seams, and an offensive line who could hold up well enough, you would have given to a shot to take those deep shots down the field. But right now, you don't have Fuller, who I think was a big part of that, and you don't have the offensive line element. Well, you and have to still won five in a row, and they've still won well, exactly. five in a row. So and he's you got to figure out great numbers. Yeah, and this is an offseason question. It's are you confident enough with what you've seen from Tua that he can be that guy to consistently attack down the field to scare defenses enough to open up the stuff underneath if and when you surround him properly? So that's the offseason question. The question for now is can he navigate through these next four games given the restrictions around him to get you to the playoffs and give you enough confidence? And, and just to build on your point about that game is coming. Unfortunately for Tua, what he's been able to do the last few weeks nationally has flown under the radar because everybody had forgotten about the Dolphins. Finally, this week, people are starting to take notice of it a little I th- bit. I thought this week was a big week in Dolphins' momentum and, and yes. people noticing Tua. Unfortunately for him, that microscope is now on. And so the next bad next, performance. Next mistake. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to have more more of a, of a spotlight on it. And so it's not going to change what he's done to this point. But to your point, you can be darn sure that immediately the narrative is going to change. And the Dolphins are going to have to make sure that, you know, they they look at the the whole, the totality of the of the production versus just whatever happens when they're under the spotlight the next few weeks. By the way, there's only one way it doesn't change it. And that's just keep winning. Yeah, it's true. Just keep keep winning. Keep doing your thing. Keep being accurate, efficient. I mean, you're talking 73% or whatever it's been, 74% the last five games, the the games that he, you know, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And I thought Peyton Manning had a great breakdown on on, uh, inside the NFL that was all over social media talking about his eyes and the decision. Because one of the knocks on Tua was his decision making is going past his first read. Well, guess what? Tua was growing up in that category. Tua is now scanning the field, even with an offensive line that he won't tell you this, but that you really can't trust. He's not going to say that. He's going to love his guys and say, hey, they do a great job. But he's scanning the field and making and a quick decisions. And by the way, in big moments of the game, we talk about helping you win. In that Giants game, Giants are terrible. Giants had a bunch of guys out, and they're a horrible football team. But one mistake by Tua, and that game flips, and the Giants have a chance right. to win. Even late driving, making that decision, hitting Isaiah Ford for that touchdown, that drive ends in a field goal instead of a touchdown. That game is completely different. And again, these are the kind of games where we've seen the Dolphins lose in the past. A bad turnover, a missed kick, a fumbled, a botched situation with a snap or a fumble, whatever it may be. Those things haven't happened the last month or so. And a big reason why is Tua being able to process things quickly, make quick decisions. And that was part of the appeal when you drafted to a tongue of low, was his accuracy, his quick decision-making wasn't his, his, his arm throwing the ball 70 yards down the field. It wasn't his size and he could shed tacklers and throw guys off as they're coming after him. It was that. And we're finally seeing put together. So clay, uh, it's gonna be fun. It'll be a fun few weeks. Jets next week at home. Then the uh, Clay Ferrero Bowl will be coming up. We, we already had the Manso Bowl last week. Advantage Dolphins. We got the Ferrero Bowl coming up Monday night football. Uh, you ready yeah. for that one? You ready for I, that one? I don't. I don't. I don't even know. On our air, on local ten, by the way. I, I mean, unfortunately, it's it's the Dolphins riding a winning streak versus a Saints team that they would typically roll out in the third preseason bit game back when we had three preseason games before. I mean, it's it's been a tough year as a Saints fan because you know you you kind of knew that. 
uh, you were going to be figuring, it was going to be exciting going in because it was, all right, you're going to figure out who your new quarterback is. And Jameis Winston really looked good um, given the the limitations that he had. You want to talk about limitations that two had. Yeah. Jameis had him too. Then he tears his ACL. Then other guys get hurt. And now yeah. they're rolling out. I mean, they signed Kenny Stills and he was starting. I saw uh, that. And, yeah. and so, you know, that's, that's kind of where they've been. So how that relates to the Dolphins and, and not just me crying about my, my rough year as a Saints fan, it's, look, man, you are likely going to be the more talented team going into that game. Saints may be a desperate team. They may be a team, and they're also a team that they're, they're not going to do the tanking thing. They're going, to, they're going to lay it all on the line, and it's on Monday night, and the spotlight is on you, so it can go one of two ways. Either it's another big win and a feather in the cap in the Dolphin, for the Dolphins in this mm-hmm. run, or it's exactly what you were talking about a few minutes ago where – when the spotlight is on, if you fall flat, everybody's talking about, and no one talks more good information about the Saints and Clay. So next week when we tape our pod, we'll have a we'll have a lot of Saints intel leading up to that Monday night game. Which, by the way, you can watch on local ten. So we're looking forward to that. We got a pregame show that night. But before then, it's the Jets. It's the Dolphins trying to get back to five hundred. It is the bye week though. Enjoy it. We'll talk plenty of Dolphins next week. See how the Heat do as they hit the road for the next four. Panthers come home for a couple. They keep playing great hockey. Uh, and uh, yes, the crystal ball era begins at the University of Miami. That's your Miami Sports Pod. We always appreciate you listening, subscribing, and watching here on Local Tank.